It's October 1st, and it's time for Smack Talk, a podcast brought to you by Webster Sports Media Club. I'm Zach Goodman, your host today, and today I'm joined by Jackson King. Hey, how are you doing, Zach? And Jordan Smeeble. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on again. This has been a long time since the last time we were on air. The, the world seemed to turn upside down since the last time we've had a podcast come out, but we're rolling with the punches, and we have a show for you today that includes all of the crazy sports that just got going, and we're excited about it. As most people were, when sports returned, the NBA came out with a bracket. They played their end of their regular season games. We saw the Suns go 8-0, and then right into the playoffs in the bubble in Orlando. Now, we're already on the Heat's-Lakers NBA Finals. The Lakers took game one of that series. I actually think that the Lakers are going to run away with this series just because they have the best player in the league right now and of all time. And they also have possibly the best big man in the league right now as well. The Heat are, they're a bunch of dogs. They're, they're a bunch of fighters that are rough. It remind me of the Detroit Pistons back in the 80s and early 90s, but I don't think you're going to beat the Lakers right now. It was crazy when uh, the season started. It was October of 2019. It's still going on in uh, the end of September 2020, early October 2020. Just thinking about when I was on the show last, that was uh, late January right before the Super Bowl. And we were previewing, talking about the NBA. And it was crazy to think that maybe like six months later, we're in this situation. Not really surprising that the Lakers are in the finals, considering they have two of maybe the top five players in the world. But probably really surprising that the Heat are in the finals, considering the path that who they had to go through and the teams and individual players that they had to beat, handling both the Bucks and the Celtics rather handedly. They've been very impressive. And that that's part of the... The surprise of the Heat being there is you expect the Bucks and, and the Raptors finish second in the East after the regular season. Those are the teams you're looking at to make it to the finals. Even the Celtics were favored over the Heat in, in most of the games during the Eastern Conference Finals. But the Heat have found a way. They've been resilient. And they're in the NBA Finals. And who's to say they can't do it again? They're down 1-0, but the series is just getting going. Jackson really likes the Lakers, as, as most people probably do. Just the versatility that team has. LeBron has always had a superstar with him, and Anthony Davis is shining to me right now. He was with the Pelicans, and he was overlooked. He's a superstar in the league, but not as looked at because he's barely in the playoffs ever, and it's hard for him to, to get noticed, but now he's on full notice. I mean, obviously, he was, he was already a guy who, who people knew of, but he's one of the best few players in the game, and he's going to put it out in front of the entire national media, and it's been really fun to watch the buzzer beater he had in game two against the Nuggets. That was awesome. 1.6 left, pulls up, fadeaway three. That was great. I think they show a lot of resemblance to actually Shaq and Kobe. The way they're playing right now, it's kind of a two-man game. If you look at the championships that the 2000 Lakers won, nobody remembers the Robert Horry of that team. They always remember Shaq and Kobe. And I feel like that's going to be the same this year. Nobody's going to remember Alex Caruso or Kyle Kuzma. You got to remember LeBron and AD and how dominant they were and how how they were handling every situation that came at them. They were dominating the ball games. Zach, you were talking about LeBron's supporting cast and how he always has that one guy. And when he was with the Heat, he had Dwayne Wade. When he was back in Cleveland for the second time, he had, he had Kyrie. Obviously, um, you can make the argument that Anthony Davis is probably his most talented teammate that he's ever played with, and it's obviously being shown here in the finals and throughout this bubble because. They made the commitment to go down the bubble. They haven't seen their families this whole time, and they're still just cruising right along. 
Uh, I know the Heat, two starters are out now, Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, both injured and doubtful for game two. Definitely surprising to see that the Heat are in the finals and still competing. Obviously, it's a great run no matter where they finish. And I'm sure they're not satisfied as a team with only making it to the finals. I'm sure they want to win it, but they're definitely on the uphill climb trying to beat LeBron. So what was what was cool about this year's NBA, and it's it's been hard for me to get into the NBA for a long time. My reasoning is is that the season didn't matter. It was, it was going to be the Warriors and the Cavs in the finals every year. It was almost boring. I was like, there's there's no one who keeps in ten with these teams. Well, this year was completely different because you got to the semifinals of each conference, and it was a toss up. Could have been anyone. It was probably four four teams on each side that were really competitive. You talked about the superstar teams with. Anthony Davis and LeBron James and then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and how they're building these teams. But you look at the four teams that were in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals, there was not like these big superstar teams. They're, they're building from ground up, and it's been really cool to see. I think those teams that don't have those superstars are kind of built well for the bubble because obviously with the Heat, without those superstars, they're uh, relying on their team chemistry. And when you're with a bunch of guys or 15 guys for 60-plus days every single day, 24-7, you have to rely on that team chemistry to build off the court and then take it onto the court. The Heat were kind of built for the bubble, and then the Clippers, we saw them falter much earlier than people thought. I think it's probably because they didn't have the team chemistry. They had players out injured for most of the year and guys that were coming in and out of the bubble. Obviously, we saw a few incidents with guys that were breaking the rules of the bubble. So I think the Heat more locked in. Like the Lakers, LeBron is there for one reason only, and that's to win the championship, whereas the Clippers felt like they were distracted. If you looked at the semifinals on both sides, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, I mean, there's only one powerhouse team that you thought was going to be there. Everybody kind of thought that the Celtics might make it, but at the same time, everybody thought it was going to be Bucks in the finals versus the Lakers, and Bucks weren't even in the Eastern Conference finals. Like what Jordan said, I think it all comes down to chemistry and how well those guys played together and how comfortable they were around each other. I think that's why the, there's a few surprising teams. As a, as a Denver native, there was a ton of hype around the Nuggets. I personally have never been a huge Nuggets fan out of the, the, the four teams in Denver. They're probably my lowest on the, of the four that I, I pay attention to and root for. But it was cool even being in St. Louis just on Twitter and feeling it for my friends because they do have a, a good fan base in Denver, and it was a – very exciting time in the city, the run that they made with going to the Western Conference Finals. It's definitely a lot of fun trying to root for an underdog, especially the story that they had with Vjokic, who transformed his body over the quarantine into becoming more of an athlete on the court. And then Jamal Murray, who came out of nowhere, even though he had a good regular season, he was one of those shining stars, along with like Devin Booker from the Suns, bringing them to 8-0 in the bubble. It was awesome to see them come together, and they definitely have a bright future. This playoff alone has set Jokic as a top two, maybe top three center in the NBA right now. Just the way he carried the Nuggets, of course, against the Clippers coming down 3-1, but I mean against the Jazz as well. And they still put up a, a good fight against the Lakers, even though nobody thought that they'd have a chance. And then Jamal Murray showed out. He was maybe a top 20 point guard before that, but I'd put him up there with... Shea Gildress, uh, no, actually hired. He's probably better in my mind than Westbrook right now. Just the way he's playing, just the way he took control over the game and the way he held his head. I'm, I'm not a Kentucky guy, but I do like Jamal Murray. Two 50-point games back-to-back against the Jazz, one of them resulting in a loss, set the tone for what was going to happen in the playoffs this year for Jamal Murray. He was unbelievable. 
just the Nuggets in general. What a story. Down 3-1 twice, coming back to win two series. One of them against the NBA championship favorite, the Los Angeles Clippers. What a story. That was a great time in Denver. I think it puts Jamal Murray as one of the best point guards in the league. He showed out. It was almost like he could have carried any team the way he was playing in the bubble. He was hot. You got to remember, he's super, super young, too, early 20s for him. And Jokic, he plays unbelievable. The assist that he made at the end of the Clippers series, he had a behind-the-back pass like over his head, just flipped it behind. He's so comfortable out there. His vision's so good. One of the highlights of the whole bubble experience, honestly, was that first-round matchup with Utah. Him and Donovan Mitchell going at it for seven games. Denver coming back down 3-1. I know all seven of those games, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, they just want to add each other and think it could translate into a nice little rivalry coming down the next few years, especially with two smaller market teams who rely on their um, draft and team developmental prospects and not so much on free agency. We've already seen a few times where they've gotten a little chippy in their games because that is probably the biggest rivals for both teams. It'll be fun watching them for the next few years. Big surprise, the playoffs. Two teams going down in the semifinal rounds, the Bucs and the Clippers. The Clippers was the big one. They spent all this money, got Paul George, got Kawhi Leonard. It was all this excitement, and it didn't even get them to the Western Conference Finals. A lot of the stress about the Clippers right now is the fact that Paul George didn't even show up at all in the bubble. I mean, he might have had a couple good games in the bubble, but throughout the whole playoffs, he might have averaged 14, 13 points when he's getting paid a max contract deal. So he's not living up anything what he needs to be. And in the fourth quarter of game seven, him and Kawhi had seven or eight points combined. And those guys should have been taking over the game at that point. And they just, they weren't showing up. I think it'll be interesting to see how Paul George does when he wasn't in the bubble, because I think that affected, he even mentioned it a few times in interviews where he just said he he didn't feel like himself. He wasn't in a good space mentally uh, with his mental health because of the bubble. And it could have affected him. So we'll see how that translates into next year. With Doc Rivers getting fired, they're going to probably start all over with the new coach. But they'll still have most of the guys that they had last year. It'll definitely be interesting to see what goes on there. Um, They should be able to put it together. And hopefully we'll get a Western Conference Finals that is all battle of Los Angeles. Because I think that's what we're all hoping for this year. And hopefully it'll be with fans in a full stadium. I think a a big advantage that the Nuggets had over the Clippers was the fact that the Clippers didn't have – I mean, they had home court advantage, but there was no home court. If you go to Staples Arena and there's, say, 40,000 people there screaming for the Clippers, that's going to change the outcome. It's just who wants it more and who has more more of a drive to win that game. The other surprise team, I'd early say the Raptors, but definitely the Milwaukee Bucks big reason the Bucks went out early was the fact that Giannis got hurt. He wasn't having a great series already, but it was 2-1, and then he rolled his ankle, and he missed one game, and then Chris Middleton actually ended up carrying him to win the next game. You lose the MVP, it's definitely going to hurt your team and hurt their chances of winning. We'll see what happens next year. He released a statement where he said, I'm not afraid of the fight or whatever, the grind, like I'm staying in Milwaukee. But then he unfollowed all his teammates on Instagram, like someone retweeted that. So we'll see what happens there. Jackson, thank you for joining us today. He's got to he's gonna head out after the segment, but we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, yep, thanks for having me, and you guys take care. Transitioning now into the NHL, they just wrapped it up with the Tampa Bay Lightning finally taking the cup. They've been favorites for a few years now. Hedman wins the MVP, and he, he was unbelievable, and you got to be happy for them. They were the best team. Throughout the entire playoffs, there's the best team that after a slow start in the regular season, they were really good at the end of last, uh, 
we talked about last year at the end of the regular season. I mean, this was so long ago when this was happening, but they carried it right into the bubble. That five-month break didn't really affect them at all. They came out buzzing and really happy for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I remember I'm a Blackhawks fan, so when they beat the Lightning in 2015, I thought it was going to be the start of a nice little Lightning dynasty. But then as the years went on, I thought that I, they might have a little curse on them. And then even coming into the playoffs and the bubble that they had up in Toronto and Edmonton, they lost game one of the playoffs to the Blue Jackets who swept them last year. Fortunately for them, they were able to come back. But after that game one, I was starting to think that maybe they were cursed again. So they almost got Porter solid. They ended up taking that game one five overtimes, tied for the NHL record for playoffs, five overtimes. That game was nuts. What a way to start off <laughs> your postseason trying to play two and two-thirds games in, in, in one. That, yeah. that was an unbelievable performance. That was a crazy game to watch. Really fun. Last year, yeah, they got swept by the Blue Jackets in the first round. They were the, the President's Cup trophy winners, and you thought they were going to be great, and boom, they're out in four games. So they had a lot of pressure, and I feel like people talk about this now all the time. It feels like sports always has the favor of the, the championship team that got swept or knocked out earlier the year before. Talk about Virginia and basketball. Got beat early by UMBC, come on to win a championship. Kind of very similar story here with Tampa Bay, swept by the eighth seed and go on to win the championship the year later. They were a great story in the playoffs, but one of the biggest stories was the Dallas Stars making it to game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. No one really picked them. If you looked at all the experts, I mean, they were a really good team. People liked the Stars, but no one picked them to make the finals. A really good Western Conference with the Vegas Golden Knights, St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche. They were kind of that fourth team there, and they stuck their way in, but they played good hockey. It turned into an incredible run, which is really good for the NHL to get the attention they did. It seems like forever ago, but in, on New Year's Day when they played in the Winter Classic, they had been scuffling, and they came. the Predators came in, and they had been scuffling, and we didn't know what direction either of those teams were going at that time. And obviously we didn't think anything was going to happen like this where we'd still be playing hockey in late September, but definitely the quarantine helped some teams, didn't help in other teams that were hot at the time. The Stars might have benefited from a little luck as the tournament went on, but showed that they belonged and obviously timely goals and good goaltending, hot goaltending does you well in the Santa Cup playoffs. So you put those two together, showed why they deserve to be there. Yeah, but big credit to Hugh Dobin, who played excellent the entire time. They did have a little bit of puck luck, but what championship team doesn't have a little bit of puck luck? That's exactly. the way it works in hockey. Um, they played really well and they got there. They got through the Colorado Avalanche, which everyone picked in that series, there was a quote going out before the series. Someone asked what the Stars would have to do to beat the Avalanche in the series. And someone said, along the lines of, they got to go to church, they got to kneel, and they got to pray. Because that's the only way that they're going to get by the Avalanche. And you know what? They went up 3-1. The Avalanche almost came back. It took Game 7 overtime. But they got the job done. That one broke my heart in a million pieces. Um, but they went on to play the Golden Knights. And they <laughs> they dominated the Golden Knights, it seemed like. They, they were just all over them. and right into the championship. They took game one, and now you're like, oh my gosh, these stars are about to go take the, the whole thing, go take Lord yeah. Stanley home. But they went down 3-1, battled back, got it to 3-2 in that overtime win. Game six was just a, a dominating performance by the Lightning. We know the best team won. Obviously, the New York Islanders had a nice run, kind of a Cinderella run, making it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think we definitely saw the best team won and excited to see if they can keep it going or if someone in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference, a nice young team, comes together next year. And it'll be interesting to see what the schedule looks like for next year, especially if they're going to start late 
they might end it early and go into the playoffs so that they can start the following season back on time again and try to get in some sense of normalcy eventually. It's going to be really weird. That's that's a big question right now. When is this season going to start? Because And a lot of it's going to face the NBA. They're going to have the same issues. Because you can't really just turn it over and start it right back up. Usually they start at the end of October. You can't just turn it around and start a few weeks after the Stanley Cup ends. I'd be surprised if they play in 2020 again. When it does happen, it's going to be exciting because there's a lot of big free agents this year, starting off with Alex Petrangelo, who has been a blue forever, and he's played great, obviously one of the best D-men in the league, and it doesn't look like he's going to sign back with the Blues. There's going to be a lot of interest going around everywhere for Alex Petrangelo. Taylor Hall, who signed that deal with Arizona. Corey Krug's a free agent. Mike Hoffman. Robin Leonard, that's a big goaltender name. Who, who played great for the Golden Knights in, in front of Flurry this year. Big names coming out. There's a lot going on in the free agency department. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about Petrangelo. He's actually only 30 years old, so he's right in the prime of his career. Obviously, a Stanley Cup winner. Big part of that St. Louis Blues team that won the Cup. They're going to try to hammer, hammer out a new deal for him, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see him walk and find a new team to go win another Cup on. I think talk about like Taylor Hall, only 28 years old. He's a left winger for the Coyotes who had a nice little run there as well making it to the playoffs. It's definitely an exciting time, obviously different. Usually this happens in the heat of the summer and not too many people are paying attention, but I think there's going to be more coverage and more people have their eyes on, especially after the successful run the NHL had in the bubble. Hockey is one of my favorite sports, uh, especially to watch just because they do so much well. To me, hockey is a mix between lacrosse and soccer because they're all kind of the same games. You have score goals. You have to put the ball in the net, put the puck in the net. But in soccer, there's like one, maybe two goals a game. There's only like 12 shots a game. That's a lot of shots. If there's 12 shots on goal a game, that's that's nuts. That's a ton of shots. Um, but there's still not a lot of goals. The, the value of a goal in hockey is really, really high. Whereas in lacrosse, they're going to score 12, 13 goals a game. So the value of a goal is still large, but not as large as it is in soccer. So I think hockey is that perfect medium where there's a ton of chances, there, and, and but every goal at any point, it can happen at any point because any of these shots can go in, these, these big chances. Um, the goal still means a ton. So it's very exciting to watch that they're just going to keep growing in popularity. They're doing a good job running their league. There was a very exciting playoff setup they had this year. We'll see what they do. I'm sure they'll make the right decisions to get us going back in 2021. The most exciting thing you look at for teams coming up the next year who are your favorites to get going? Well, I think obviously Tampa has to be in there. I think anytime you win a Stanley Cup, you have to throw them in there. I would like to see Edmonton. I think they were had a little bit of a disappointing run this year. Losing to the Blackhawks in the first round, people thought they were going to walk through that, maybe make a little run. They got some nice young guys, even Vancouver. So there's definitely a lot of up-and-coming young teams. I think the NHL is a lot of parity, and I think there's like 20 solid teams that might have a chance at making a run next year. So I'm pretty excited. For me, a big team that. Maybe next year, I think they'll be better. And in years to come, for the whole 2020s, they'll be very, very, very good, is the New York Rangers. They had the number one pick. They lucked into the number one pick. So they made the playoffs, but they didn't get by that little play-in round. And then they won the lottery pick to draft Alexis Lafreniere. He's going to be an absolute stud in the NHL, one of the most highly touted prospects that has come along in a while. You put that on top of the Breadman Panarin, who had an MVP caliber season this year. They're going to be really, really good for years to come. It's very exciting for 
the New York Rangers. I think they're the beast in the East. I like the Penguins. Never bet against Sidney Crosby. Go with Boston Bruins. They were the President's Trump winners again, and the Flyers were good again. I think those teams kind of stay at the top. I think the Capitals will be there again. On the Western side, the team to beat is the Colorado Avalanche. I love saying that. It sounds so good coming off the tongue. What are your thoughts about the Colorado Avalanche? I got to hear from an unbiased standpoint. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason that you're excited, and it's probably because of the guys that they have on the roster. Maybe a little bit of a disappointing end of the season, but they're also young, and this kind of their first taste of the postseason uh, together as a unit. So they might be a little bit like the Lightning, maybe on a little start of a nice little run here. Hopefully not as disappointing as the Lightning have been in the last few years. But yeah, they're definitely have a lot of speed. I mean, you could see the speed difference in the teams that they played throughout the postseason. They're a lot faster than most teams. I think it all depends on their goaltending, honestly. And that's where a lot of fans are wondering right now what they're going to do next year. Are they going to go get a Robin Leonard or are they going to roll with Grubauer and Francois? Grubauer got hurt early in the series against the Stars, and then Francois got hurt. So that's <laughs> in the two of the last three years, the, the Avalanche have been playing elimination games with their third-string goaltender. That's just unfortunate. A little bit of puck luck, what you talk about. But Grubauer was outstanding the playoffs for them last year. And this year he was playing well, had a good series against the Coyotes, was playing well early on against the Dallas Stars, but got injured. And then Francois didn't have his best days, but Francois was one of the better goalies in the league this year coming off the bench. They had a one-two tandem that was really good, but we'll see what they do. A lot of people want them to go get a guy like Robin Leonard or Marstrom from Vancouver who fended off <laughs> the Golden Knights into a game seven. So it's, it's very exciting for Avs fans. Uh, I think the Coyotes are a team to be reckoned with, not as potential cup contenders for a few more years, but they're getting better, and that's good for Arizona because they haven't been good in a while. The Blackhawks, in a few years, will, will get back on track. They'll be good, but I think the Blues' time is past. I think they're on the downhill tread right now. Vegas is going to be really good for years to come. The way they did the, the expansion draft was unbelievable. They fed them one of the best lines in hockey, and yeah. now they're just – I mean, they were, they're unbelievable, and they're going to be good for a while. And it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with the next expansion draft with the Seattle Crack and the new team if they hand them another great team. Because obviously we like to see those teams succeed, but handing them a Stanley Cup-worthy team right off the bat is maybe not as fair to the other 30 teams in the league. It's a little unfair when you when all the other teams suffer and wait through their rebuild times. And then, and then this team, they've never had a team before. But you can make the argument that they've never had a team before, so they've been exactly. suffering the entire time. So we'll see. I think it'll be somewhere in between. I think the Seattle Craft will be have a good team, but not a great team to start out. And, but they'll have a prospect pool to turn into a really good team through this expansion draft. Their logo is awesome. It's one of the best already, and they haven't even played a game yet, and I love it. Their color scheme is great. Their jerseys are going to be super cool. And hockey jerseys are just, in general, the coolest jerseys by far in any sport. Just the whole uniform going together, it looks so awesome. You look at teams like the Flyers have really cool, especially when they pull out the Stadium Series jerseys. The Flyers yeah. jerseys or the Stadium Series are so awesome. The Penguins have really cool ones. Edmonton, I love the Avalanche jerseys there. Their sweaters. I mean, but any team, really. I, I've always been a big fan of the black and white L.A. Kings jerseys. I think they're cool, especially when they're all white. Hockey's just up and coming, in my opinion. I think there's a lot to be excited about, especially with the addition of a new team. It's going to be a very competitive league. Hockey's one of those sports where you don't know who's going to win. 
No one saw the Dallas Stars in the finals this year, and it's kind of like that every year. Just last year, none of the higher seeds made it out of the first round. Every lower seed won their first round series. So you just never know with hockey. I think that's why it's so exciting. There's a little bit of puck luck involved. There's a lot of physicality, and it's super fun to watch. That all starts, hopefully, early 2021, maybe if we're lucky, and of 2020. But now we get into the NFL. The NFL is obviously the biggest sport in America, and it's finally back. And I'll tell you what, from a fantasy's perspective and just as a fan's perspective, it's been fun already. And I think this year is going to be ultra competitive. We talk about these bubble formats that the NBA and NHL have been in. Obviously, the NFL is not doing it. So I feel like it makes the NFL feel a lot more normal than the other leagues and a lot more real, if you want to say that. Definitely, it's been awesome to watch and relaxing on Sundays and taking time to watch football gives a little bit of sense of normalcy. It has. And there's even some places that are allowing some fans into the games, which, which has been great. Baseball's going to do that for the World Series and the National League Championship Series. They'll do that as well. Let's just go division by division. Look at, look at who's going to win. The AFC East, obviously, been dominated by the Patriots. They won it every single year in the 2010s. But this year, they have some competition. The Buffalo Bills have looked great, especially behind Josh Allen, who's looked like a top five quarterback in the league these first few weeks. We'll see how he turns that up. They've always played good defense, and now they have an offense to boot. People are talking about the Bills a lot more than we have maybe in the past 20 years, or ever since they made those runs to the Super Bowl. Obviously, with Cam Newton in New England now, people are writing them off, saying that they were going to go 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, and now they're off. What are they, 2-1 and one now? 2-1. Big matchup this weekend with the Chiefs. Very hard for me to bet against a Bill Belichick-led team, especially in the AFC East, where you're pretty much guaranteed four wins against the, the Jets, who are dumpster fire, and the Dolphins, who... Uh, we, they're kind of in a state of, state of uncertainty as they have been for the last few years. I'm excited for those matchups with the Bills. Josh Allen's playing out of his mind right now. Cam Newton also playing well. Fitzmagic looked great against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, but it is also the Jacksonville Jaguars. But one thing that the Patriots had in their benefit is they had one of the best defenses in the league last year, and they had about four guys opt out. One of those four starters opt out, which really hurt them, but they've still been a top defense this year, only allowing 66 points through their first three games, and they've played good teams through the first three games as well. The Patriots are not to be overlooked because it's it's a lot of fun to watch Cam Newton when he's playing his game because they've completely built the offense around him. I think it's smart. You saw it happen with the Ravens. They run a college offense basically around Lamar Jackson and just let him run, and it works. And I think that Cam Newton being put into more of a place that he's playing his natural game. 100%. There was a big question coming into the season whether or not – Belichick was going to let Cam be himself and see what that was going to get him. And so far, Bill Belichick has let Cam take the reins. And it's definitely a totally different look than it was with Tom Brady, who's just a check down passer, hand the ball off. We're not really going deep. Tom's obviously not running anywhere. Now we see Cam Newton um, running all over the field. He's even throwing the ball downfield. That shootout with Seattle a couple weeks ago, was that was awesome to watch. And I'm really excited to see how that division unfolds other than the Jets, no one can stand watching them at this point. As we're talking, they're playing against the Denver Broncos, which <laughs> what an exciting Thursday night game. Going into the AFC West with the Broncos, that is the Chiefs division to lose. The Chiefs are going to own that division for the next 10 years. As long as Patrick Mahomes is living and his arm works, <laughs> they're going to own that division. That guy is the best player in football. I cannot believe he was put at fourth best at 
in football. He, he's the best player in football, in my opinion, and they're going to run the, that division. Yeah, like you said, as long as he's he's got an arm and a couple legs, they're going to be really good. And especially, you said he's ranked fourth. There could be a situation when he's all said and done in 15 years that there's not four guys better than him ever playing football. So, obviously, they're sitting there, Super Bowl favorites, beat up on the Ravens, who are another look like a Super Bowl favorite last Monday night. But then you have, like, the Chargers, who are sitting there with a brand-new quarterback and are actually looked exciting with Justin Herbert. They've done a nice job being competitive and rolling the, with the punches. And then you have the Raiders. In Las Vegas, they've, and they've looked pretty good at, at times. Their offense looks really good. Derek Carr, they scored 88 points already this year. But their defense needs to pick it up. They've let up some of the most points in the league on the other side of the ball. So they got to figure that out. The AFC North is really exciting because the Steelers – their defense looks great, and Ben Roethlisberger seems to be back. They have so many options with Juju and Deontay Johnson. Uh, James Conner's running the ball well. And then you compete them with the Super Bowl favorites or second favorites who they got beat up last week. So we'll see how people like them. But in Vegas, they were the second favorites to win the Super Bowl behind the Chiefs, the Ravens. So it'll be a very exciting two-team fight. Then there's the Browns, who people like to hate on, Baker Mayfield inconsistent throughout his career but they're sitting at two and one now i think they can put together a nice little run maybe sneak into the playoffs and i don't know how to feel about the browns i like them i like the talent that they have but i don't trust baker to get anything done really i don't trust baker at all there's so many missed passes where they should be scoring touchdowns and missing wide open receivers downfield and that's going to hurt them in the long run i just don't i just don't love baker mayfield coming through in big situations that'll be a steelers and ravens division in my opinion I think the Browns will, will fall around 500 when the chips are all settled. Going into the AFC South, that's the Titans' division to lose. Uh, the Colts are better this year. Their defense is unbelievable. The, the Colts' defense is really, really, really good. Might be the best defense in the NFL this year. They've only allowed 45 points in three games. Put up like 27 fantasy points last week. And Phillip Rivers is a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He has been his entire career. They have some weapons to utilize, too. Throughout the past few years, maybe the more boring visions, um, there were probably going to be three mediocre teams and the Texans were going to sneak into the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round. Now we've got uh, the Titans, who are one, went away from the Super Bowl last year. The Texans, who have probably a top-five quarterback in the NFL, even though they're starting 0-3, they're still hanging around in games. And the Colts, they're there. Phillip Rivers, a nice little rejuvenation to his career in Indy so far. Obviously, with that defense that you mentioned, they can put together a nice little run, maybe win the division. And then the Jaguars, even though many picked them to have the worst record in the league, I think Gardner Minshew is a lot of fun to watch, even though they might not win as many games as they would hope for. I think they're still good offense to watch. He's got a lot of moxie. He's got a lot of confidence in himself as well. So it is fun to watch. And he'll have the reins for most of the season. They'll they'll get out of a season to give him a shot. He was the passing leader in the NCAA a few years ago with Washington State. Uh, talking about Washington, the other Washington, the D.C. one, the Washington football team, they lead the NFC East at a great record of one and two. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's the, probably the Cowboys' division to, to win. But this is an embarrassing division. There's no defense being played. The Giants look like the worst team in the NFL. The Eagles don't look much better. And the Cowboys have played some closer games. Their offense look good. I think it's their division to lose. People are already calling for Carson Wentz's job out in Philadelphia, calling for Jalen Hurts, the rookie, to be put into the game. They're really disappointing to watch. Tying the Bengals when they should have beat him. 
it looked like no team wanted to win that game last week. And then we've got the Washington football team getting thumped by the Browns who are wildly inconsistent. I like Dallas. I think even though they're one and two, they played some tough road games already and they should beat up on their division. I think if Dallas can put together nine wins, that's definitely going to get them into the playoffs. And then you never know what can happen once you get into the playoffs. I like Dak and I like, the offense that they have, they have a lot of wide receiver weapons and the top five running back. Even though it's a terrible division, they should be able to beat up on it and make the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're one and two. Their defense hasn't played well at all. They have to step it up on the defensive side of the ball, which is obviously the most important part of football. But they had a good quarterback, really good offense. They're thumping out points. And I think they, they go 10 and 6, 9 and 7 range, just because they're going to absolutely beat up on their own division. I don't see them losing a game in the division, maybe one. So they'll beat up on their own division. The NFC Beast is no longer. They are not very good anymore. The NFC West is probably the best division in football. 49ers, they're 2-1. and one. The Rams are 2-1. and one. They've looked great. Cardinals are 2-1. and one. They've looked really good. And the Seahawks are 3-0. and oh. And the Seahawks look like one of the teams in a Super Bowl favorite right now. Yeah, we talked about Russell Wilson, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, having an MVP start to the season. I think he's thrown maybe 14 or 15 touchdowns in three games. Tyler Lockett, three touchdowns in the first half last week against the Cowboys. My problem with them is that they're statistically the worst defense in the National Football League. So luckily they have Russell Wilson to win those shootouts, but they can't win them all. And in the playoffs, you can know that defense wins championships. We'll see with them. I like the uh, Cardinals a lot. I like Kyler Murray and that DeAndre Hopkins duo has turned into one of the best in football already through three games. It looked great, and you can't bet against, like you said, Russell Wilson. He's still one of the best in the league. They've put up 111 points already. They look good at home. Their defense struggles a little bit, uh, but the Rams look really good. Jared Goff coming back into form. They kind of look like the team that, that they were when they went to the Super Bowl just a couple seasons ago, and you can't bet against the 49ers. They've had a ton of injuries, but I think they'll bounce back and, and turn this into a good season again. Yeah, obviously they've benefited from a kind of easy start to the schedule. There with the Giants and Jets, who are probably the two worst football teams in the league. Tough start with injuries. Hopefully they can get them back. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, and their head coach, uh, kind of hard to bet against them making another deep run and being a Super Bowl contender like they were last year. I can see two wild cards coming out of that division. They're going to beat up on each other a lot. But I can definitely see um, three teams from that division making the playoffs. The NFC North. This looks like it's a tale of two teams. And I know you're excited for the NFC North. Good Bears fan. You see the flag in your background right now on the Zoom call. There's 3-0. and What do you have for them, for me? Uh, I think a lot of people will say that it was a very lucky 3-0, and and it maybe it is, but never apologize for being undefeated and take the wins as they come. We'll have tougher matchups down the road. We have a new quarterback out with Mitch out. And now Nick Foles going into the fire. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them next few weeks. Hopefully they can start to put together more consistency through all four quarters of the game instead of the fourth quarter. And we'll see how Nick Foles does because he's been good on, on several different teams now and obviously won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. But the main point and why I don't think that this is completely just a quits for the Bears is that they're playing good defense and defense wins championship. Defense plays. No matter what you're doing on the offensive side of the ball, if you're playing good defense, we saw the Broncos win a Super Bowl in 2015 with Peyton Manning. And obviously it's Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But at that point in his career, he was kind of leaking gas, running out of fuel there. And their defense carried them to a championship. 
you can see the Bears defense is really good, kind of like how it used to be in the mid-2000s, 2006, when they went to the Super Bowl against the Colts. The other team in the division right now, they have had the best offense so far in football is the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Boy, he looks like, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And that's really exciting for football fans. Yeah, he looks like he's mad that the Packers chose to draft a quarterback in the first round. And I think I would be too, especially if I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer who's still got a few years left in him. I don't see the Lions or the Vikings doing much damage this year. I think the Packers will run away with this one eventually, but the Bears will be battling for a wild card spot, I, I believe. Definitely a 9 and 7, 10 and 6 finish. Heading into the NFC South, this division isn't very good either. Obviously, a ton of excitement around the Buccaneers. They have Rob Rodkowski. And Tom Brady, the best quarterback, best football player of all time, in my opinion. They're 2-1 and one to start the season. Yeah, I'm excited to see um, those their matchup with the Bears. As a Bears fan, they play in a week on Thursday Night Football. Obviously, people were talking about if it's Bill Belichick or is it Tom Brady that led them to those Super Bowls. And they're both 2-1 and one right now, so I don't think we can decide that yet. But Tom Brady definitely has that offense moving. Drew Brees on a downfall, maybe. Uh, he's kind of looks off. Well, I mean, you're just watching him play and he's not attacking any deep threats at all. It's been a lot of dump offs. Kamara's been going off um, because he's getting a bunch of dump off passes. You, you haven't really seen Breeze challenge down the field as of late. And that's very concerning for Saints fans, especially when you come into the season with, with a good defense and looking to be a Super Bowl contender. At the end of the season last year, way too early predictions for this season, I picked the Saints to win it all. I thought it was their year finally. They've had so many upsets, so many heartbreaking things happen to them in the playoffs uh, in the last few years, and I think it's their time to to move on. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I think they, they battle back and do a little better. The Panthers, not looking great. Teddy Bridgewater took over the reins there, and that offense been very lethargic so far. And then you go to the Falcons, who have <laughs> kind of tail of two halves each game for them because they've looked really good in the first half, several times, and then they're 0-3, and they've looked really bad in the second half, surrendered 108 points already this season, and it all basically is in the second half. They've blown two, like, 16-point leads already. I'm honestly surprised to see that Dan Quinn, the head coach, still has his job after three weeks. They've lost multiple touchdown leads every single week, except week one when they didn't really come out that hot against the Seahawks, who are a good football team. But then you talk about the Panthers. When you lose the best running back in football, you're going to have a tough time recovering from that. And hopefully he's not out for too much longer because I like Teddy Bridgewater and I like Christian McCaffrey. And I think if he comes back, they could put together a nice little run, maybe get to eight and eight or nine and seven in that division. Yeah, that division doesn't look overly strong, but I like the Saints coming back. I don't think the Saints are done, especially when they get Michael Thomas back. I think they make a good run at it. You can make an argument for the Buccaneers, the Saints, or the Panthers to, to come away with that division. I mean, even the Falcons, you can make an argument for. Their offense looks really good. Yep. Matt Ryan looks great. Um, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones looks really good. So last year was tank for Tua. didn't really pan out that way. But this year is <laughs> kind of tank for Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is a bona fide already number one pick in the draft. And he was looking as one of the greatest college quarterback prospects ever coming out. Some teams that are going to compete for that, the, the Vikings, which I would find a really good spot for. The Giants, even though they just picked up Daniel Jones, so that would be an interesting to see if they trade down or if they, they give up Daniel Jones, what they do with that. Um, the Eagles are in that same situation where you just don't know what's going on. That's the NFC side. 
the Jets? Is it time to give Sam Darnold a rest? The Broncos? How much space do they have in, in Drew Locke? I mean, there's just so many questions out there, so many teams that can really benefit the talents of, of Trevor Lawrence. I hope that Trevor Lawrence likes the spotlight because I think he's headed to the New York Jets. I think the Jets are done with their head coach. I think they're done with Sam Darnold, who hasn't proven much in his three or four years that he's been there. And I think it's time for both sides to call it and for Sam Darnold to head off to a new team and bring in Trevor Lawrence. I think that would be an exciting time. All right, just because it's fun, who, who do you got in the Super Bowl this year? I haven't thought too much about the AFC, but I like the Packers out of the NFC, actually. I think Aaron Rodgers is on an absolute mission this year. He looks he looks like he's playing out of his mind, and he looks like he's mad about Jordan Love. AFC, there's so many matchups. You got the Ravens, you got the Chiefs. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs. I don't know. It's so hard to repeat in the NFL, but if there's one guy to do it, it's Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the one thing he hasn't accomplished yet, and you have to win one before you win two, so now's a perfect time. I think he wins maybe four or five more before he's all said and done. Uh, so I think I'm going to take the Packers and Chiefs, and I think I'm going to take the Packers. There you go. Packers making a run for it. I like the Packers a lot. I don't love their defense, and I think it gets exposed in the playoffs. I don't know. You'd say the same thing about the team that I'm going to pick, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks. I think they finally make it back to the Super Bowl. Their defense hasn't looked great either, but I think the Seattle Seahawks make it out of the NFC. And like you said, it's hard to bet against the Chiefs right now, especially when the, the team that people picked to be their hardest competition was the Ravens. And they went into Baltimore and basically embarrassed the Ravens. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs. They look dominant. And I think you talk about what hasn't Patrick Mahomes done in his career. Well, he hasn't won back-to-back Super Bowls. He has played two seasons. He's won an MVP. He's exactly. won a Super Bowl MVP. He's got a Super Bowl. This guy is <laughs> made for – Legends, man. This guy is going to be an NFL legend, and he's two years into his career. I think he runs away with it. I think the Chiefs go back to bad, winning a Super Bowl against the Seahawks this year. Russell Wilson, if he throws five touchdowns a week, it's, they're going to be pretty hard to stop. So it's not a bad guess at all. In my opinion, those are the best two quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, so that'd be an exciting Super Bowl for me to watch. It would be <laughs> more of a high-scoring game, so it wouldn't be. The, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl we saw a few years ago, which was pretty slow. Well, Jordan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And thank you to all who listened uh, to find our podcast. It's on every podcast platform, and we will enjoy your listens. If you would like, give us a share, give us a retweet. Um, we always appreciate it, but thanks for listening to us, and we will see you in the next two weeks.